0: Welcome to the Miami Valley Church Podcast. We're so excited that you are here with us. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you are going to hear today. We'd love to have you join us online Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at miamivalley.org. If you love the Miami Valley Church Podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Now go, love the valley right where you are.
1: Welcome to week two of our teaching series on our verse for the decade, Psalm 37.3, Trust the Lord and do good. Pastor Wildridge and I are looking at this verse in its original context, which is Psalm 37 verses 1 through 9, Psalm 37 verses 1 through 9, and today we get to Psalm 37.4 that says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Last week's question that I had for you was very simple this, do you know God? And I hope that you do know God and you have a personal relationship with Him. But today's question may be a little bit harder and maybe even a little more offensive. And the question very simply is this, do you love God? Do you love God? The scriptures say delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now before you tune out, hang in there with me. Let's get into Psalm 37 uh, verses one through nine and let's see the context. Uh, Psalm 37, one, Psalm 37, seven, and Psalm 37, eight, all say this to us, do not fret, do not fret. So listen for those words as I read for you Psalm 37 verses one through nine. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust him and he will act. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Three times, fret not yourself. Do not fret. I think we need to take that seriously and understand it in its context. This word for fret is used only four times in all of the scriptures, here in Psalm 37 verses one, verses seven and verses eight, but then again in Proverbs 24, 19. Psalm 37, one, one more time. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers. Almost exactly what Proverbs 24, 19 says. Proverbs 24, 19, fret not yourself because of evildoers and do not be envious of the wicked. Psalm 37 7, fret not yourself over one who prospers in his way. To fret, it means to become heated, to become inflamed, to get angry, to become enraged, to be incensed. Have you witnessed that in our country over the last year? Have you watched people become incensed? Have you watched them become furious? Have you watched them become heated and watch that anger and that just flow out in ways that are inappropriate where all of us should stand up and condemn exactly what happened in our nation's capital uh, just weeks ago? All of us should stand up and condemn violence and looting and evil that took place over the course of the last year and riots and all of those things that take place, they are not of Jesus. I don't care if a flag that flies in those situations has Jesus on it, Jesus has nothing do with any of those things and we should be adamant in our condemnation of all that behavior but where did that behavior come from i would submit to you it came from people who started fretting and when they fretted it led to uh, just this process that led to this uh, becoming incense and this uh, outpouring of anger it seems like that outpouring of anger and that outpouring of evil and even fretting itself is a good use of time it's Psalm 37:8 says this fret not yourself it tends only to evil fret not yourself it tends only to evil I like that the the picture is this that that fretting devours us but it doesn't devour us in one big gulp it eats away at us it gnaws away at us. Have you ever had that thing in your life that just kind of eats away at you slowly and slowly and slowly, and the more it eats away at you, the more it robs you of the things that are supposed to be yours, and that's what fretting does. It devours us, but it devours us. Yeah, you remember the old riddle, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's what fretting does, one bite at a time, and that's how the enemy wins. He gets us to start fretting, to become anxious, to worry, to become inflamed, incensed, and are uh, our, our fretting leads to frittering we don't use that word very much anymore my grandparents like to use that word you're you're frittering away your time don't fritter away your time don't squander away that precious time that should be devoted to something special and something good but fretting leads to frittering and frittering always leads to frustration and frustration then leads to fury There's this is outrageous outpouring of of evil and wild violence but what we need to remember friend is that fretting do not fret psalm 37:8. it tends only to evil James puts it this way, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you don't memorize those two verses, James 1, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And nothing we've seen in anger over the last year, and even in the last weeks, that anger is not of God, and it does not produce God's righteousness. So we're told three times, do not fret. How come? What are we fretting over? They're fretting over the the evil person that seems to get ahead. They're fretting over the the wrongdoer that's getting away with everything, and you can't get away with anything. But God's word says this: Psalm thirty-seven. Uh, verse two, they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. God just saying those people who seem to be getting ahead, they're going to disappear and what seems to be rightfully theirs, it's really not theirs anyway. It's just a vapor. It's going to be gone. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Don't fret. So he gives us four things that we're supposed to do. Trust the Lord and do good. We looked at that last week to have this knowledge of God that's growing and and, and very intimate. Today we're going to look at, it says we're supposed to delight ourselves in the Lord and he'll give us the desire of a heart, delight and desire. Next week we're going to look at what it means to commit and trust and then we're going to look at what it means to rest and wait on God and watch Him take our our fretting that we refuse to do and turn it into something that's positive. Trust the Lord and do good, Psalm 37, 3. But the last half of that verse says this, uh, dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Instead of letting your anger fret, and, and rise up into you and, and gnaw away at you and eat away at you. It says, now feed yourself on something else. Why don't you eat? Cultivate the faithfulness of God. When I start to worry about evil people getting ahead and things not going the way that I wanted them to, whether it's an election or something else and it causes me to fret, I have to remember the sovereignty of God and I have to feed on the fact that he's faithful and his plan is going to succeed, that he places rulers on their throne, that he can turn the heart of the king like rivers of water, that he is in control and he is in charge and my fretting does absolutely nothing except blend and tend to take me towards evil and so last week we saw the first one psalm 37:3. trust the lord and do good what does it mean to know god and let that impact not just our our head but our hearts and our hands so that we go out and do good but today i want to talk to you specifically very quickly about what it means psalm 37:4. delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart now most of us want to jump right to the end of that verse i want the desires of my heart but we, we, we want the promise without understanding the precept. We want the uh, reward without understanding the, the responsibility. And, and we want the desire before we spend any time in delight. But hear me say it this way. Um, delight comes before desire. Precepts come before promises. And responsibility comes before reward. And so the question is, am I truly delighting in the Lord? Another way to ask that question is, um, am I loving God? Do I love God? This word delight, so many times the English word means to uh, take pleasure in or enjoyment in. And we're gonna see in just a minute that one of the Hebrew words in the scripture used for delight does mean that, to take pleasure in. But the word that's used here, delight yourself in the Lord, it means this, it means to be soft or pliable to be soft pliable, to be soft pliable in God's hand. He says, if you're soft and pliable in my hands, then I'll give you the desires of your heart. It, it implies vigorous action on our part. We have we have to do everything we can do to be soft and pliable in the hands of God. We have to guard against a hard heart because God, God values a soft heart. It's a story of clay in the potter's hands as we see in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 but now O Lord you are our father we are the clay and you are our potter we are all the work of your hand we'll see this played out of the New Testament where God's word says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance to us to do he's molded us he's shaped us he's fashioned us to accomplish the work that he has for us to do my friend a soft and pliable heart is a testimony of almost every great hero of faith from from Abraham all the way through the apostle paul it's definitely the heart of our lord jesus that his heart was soft and pliable in the hands of the father through all of their struggles through all of their mistakes through all of their trials their hearts remain soft and pliable before the lord god as i was preparing for this teaching I was in my study just thinking and praying and and God brought back to mind the the words of this great old hymn of the faith called have thine own way and the first verse of the hymn have thine own way says this have thine own way Lord have thine own way thou art the potter I am the clay mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting yielded and still that is the picture of what it means to have a heart that's soft and pliable before God. Why do I need to be concerned about a soft heart? My friends, understand this. A hard heart has bitter edges. A hard heart has bitter edges. I've been sharing with you since this COVID outbreak and since we uh, have stopped meeting in a building that I believe that this is a period of time, much like the wilderness uh, period that's described in the scriptures that God's people are in the wilderness. And one of the problems of the wilderness journey is that people's hearts become hard. Psalm 95 verses eight and nine says this, do not harden your hearts as in the day of the days of the wilderness. When people are on a wilderness journey, they, they begin to doubt that God is good. They begin to doubt that he has their best interest in mind and all they wanna do is go back to what they've known before. Just take us back to the land of Egypt, they would cry out in the wilderness. That's the place where they were enslaved. Uh, part of the struggle of a wilderness journey is our hearts grow hard the author of hebrews understands this and the author of hebrews quotes Psalm 95 and says this, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. We have to work with vigorous action to make sure that our hearts remain soft and pliable in the hands of God. If you don't think a hard heart has bitter edges, listen to what the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 says about somebody that has a hard heart. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. When I refuse to be vigorously attentive to a heart that needs to be soft and pliable before God, my heart becomes bitter, then I become ignorant in the life of the ways of the life that God has for me, and I become darkened in my understanding of how all of history is playing out in front of me. And so it comes back to this phrase, fret not, let your heart uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So I just wanna ask you today, is your heart soft and pliable or is it brittle and hard? Maybe another way to ask this is in the hardships of life that you're going through or you've gone through, have they softened you or have they caused you to build calluses all over your heart? Is your heart soft and pliable or hard and brittle? Are you kneeling in repentance in front of the God that loves you and say, God, I don't wanna have a hard heart anymore. God's saying the same thing to you and to me. Work hard to make sure your heart is soft and pliable. Do I delight in Him? Maybe another way of saying that is, Do I desire his presence, his presence with me, more than I desire his presence, his gifts? Do I want his presence, just him, or do I want all the things that he has to offer? How do I know if I'm delighting myself in the Lord, if I'm soft and pliable? Psalm 73 verse 25 and 26 says this, Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth, that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. There's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Do you get what the songwriter is saying? That is a very bold statement. Can you make the same statement today? Can I make the same statement today? God in front of you and you know my heart, there's nothing on earth that I desire more than I desire you. Well, how do you evaluate that? Well, over the course of my life, I've, I've taken what a college professor uh, said to me way back in college, back in the 80s, and, and tried to make it a reflection time of my life on a consistent basis. And there are four questions that I think get to whether or not our, our heart is soft and pliable and we, we delight ourselves in the Lord, or our heart is hard and brittle. Here they are, and I just want to ask you to, to ask yourself these questions, again, in the context of are you delighting yourself in the Lord, do you love God? Question number one is this. If Jesus were to come back right now, would you be disappointed? I learned the question, and I asked it with language that really doesn't apply anymore. It says, "I asked the question to myself this way: If Jesus were to come back right now, would I be bummed out? Is there something that I am looking so forward to that if Jesus came back before that happened, I'd feel like I got cheated?" For some of you, might say, "Hey, I have been working hard, and uh, it's it's uh, January, and uh, I am." four months away from college graduation. And if I didn't get a chance to get that degree and walk across that stage and get that diploma, man, I would feel cheated. And yeah, I'd be a little bummed out. For some of you, maybe it's it's marriage. Uh, for, for some of you, uh, maybe it's the birth of a child. For some of you, maybe it's the birth of a grandchild. I, I don't know, is there anything that if Jesus were to come back right now, you would feel bummed out? If so, if you'd be upset, if you'd be mad, if you feel like God would have cheated you because you didn't get to experience that thing, you desire that thing more than you desire God. And and an honest check of our hearts sometimes when it becomes hard, like, yeah, I want that. I I don't know about you, but one of the places I'm struggling right now is, I am so looking forward to the time when all of my family can be back together in one place where I can hug their necks and squeeze them and give them a kiss on the cheek because we haven't had that experience in a long time. And and I've got to be careful because I, I long for that, but do do I long for that more than I long for just Jesus and his return? So question number one, if Jesus were to come back right now, uh, would I feel like I've been cheated or would I be bummed out? Question number two, can I say thank you in light of my present circumstances? Can I say thank you in light of my present circumstances? First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Can I say thank you for my present circumstances? Can I get really personal? Have you said, thank you, God, that Joe Biden was elected our president? That's the circumstances. Have you said, thank you, God, that for the last four years, Donald Trump was our president? That's the circumstances. Have you said, thank you, God, for the pandemic? That's the circumstances. And you're like, good grief, we don't get an out. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If I can't say thank you about the circumstances that surround me, here's what I'm telling God. God, you've blown it. God, you've made a mistake. God, I can't say thank you because I know better. Things would have gone better if that hadn't been the case. Things would have been better if he hadn't been president. Things would be better if he hadn't been elected president. Things would have been better if this pandemic hadn't happened. God, you've blown it. If I can't say thank you in light of my present circumstances, I'm not delighting myself in the Lord. Question number one, if Jesus were to come back before I experienced that thing I long for, would I feel bummed out? Question number two, Can I give? can I say thank you in light of my present circumstances? Question number three, Is there a broken relationship? Remember the question here is, am I delighting myself in the Lord? Do I love the Lord? Do I love God? Question number three is, is there a broken relationship? First John chapter four, verse 20. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Jesus is going to put it another way. He's going to be asked, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's a second one that's just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, wanting to justify himself, the man who asked the question said, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus told the story of the, of the good Samaritan. And the Samaritan was the least likely person that the Jewish person would ever want to love. They would be perceived as enemies. They would be per- perceived as haters of one another. They didn't even, uh, Jews didn't even walk through the territory of Samaria. That's why on one occasion when Jesus went told his disciples i have to go through samaria and he sat at a well and talked to a sinful woman the disciples were amazed but jesus tells a story love your neighbor who's my neighbor Uh, the enemy the one that's the exact opposite of me the one that i don't have anything to do with Uh, if anyone says he loves god but hates the republicans if anyone says he loves god but hates the democrats if anyone loves god but hates those who are of a different skin color if anyone says they love god but hates his brother and who's my brother every human being that god has created they are created in his image and i'm called to love them and so if there's a broken relationship a broken personal relationship with somebody if there's a broken relationship uh, with a whole group of people based on their race their creed or their color My friends, you've got a problem. You can't say you love God. You're not delighting yourself in the Lord if there's that kind of broken relationship, either personally or even with a, a larger group of people. Question number one, if Jesus came back at this moment, would I be bummed out? Question number two, can I say thank you in light of my present circumstances? Question number three, is there a broken relationship? And then question number four very simply is simply this, do you love him? Read John chapter 21, Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times. After Jesus has risen from the dead, Peter and the disciples go fishing. They're out fishing and one morning, Jesus comes to the seashore and he, he makes them a breakfast of fish and bread. Peter jumps out of the boat and he swims and he has this amazing personal interaction with Jesus. And it's it's heartbreaking, and it's heart-wrenching if you read it. Three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And the first time he asks him the question, he says, do you love me more than these? And I think the, the question is, do you love me more than these other disciples? I, th- I think that's the question. But I think a part of that also is, uh, do you love me more than these things that you've gone back and committed yourself to, to, to fishing, to the boats, to the nets? compare yourself do you love me more than these but the question very simply is do you love me friends do you love god that's question number four and that's the question we have to ask to keep our hearts soft and pliable understand the truth and the reality of god's word first corinthians 16 says this if anyone does not love the lord let that person be cursed even so come lord jesus if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. The flip side of that, Ephesians 6:24 says this, grace to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Grace to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So those four questions, delight yourself in the Lord. Is my heart soft and pliable? If Jesus came back at this moment, would I be bummed out? Can I say thank you in light of my present circumstances? Is there a broken relationship? And just at the gut-wrenching, honest level, do I really love him with an undying love? Once I delight myself in the Lord, once my heart's soft and pliable, what I'm going to find out is as the scripture unfolds, I'm going to take pleasure. I'm going to delight in at least four other areas. And so the scriptures I use a second word for delight. I actually use four words for delight in the Old Testament. But the first, if my heart's soft and pliable, then I delight, I take pleasure in four things. So, so let me point these out to you very quickly. First of all, if I, my heart's soft and pliable, I'm going to, and I delight myself in the Lord, then I'm going to delight, take pleasure in, first of all, His Word. I'm going to take pleasure in His Word. Psalm 1, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor, sit, uh, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scornful, but their delight is, They take pleasure. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law they meditate day and night. I have a delight in the law of God. It's just another word for the Word of God. Before I talk to you in depth about that, read Psalm 119 read it. It's the longest chapter in all of the Bible, but read it and listen to all of the times it talks about delighting in God's Word. Now notice, it's going to use law, testimonies, commandments as different words for the Word of God, but just listen. Psalm 119, verse 16, I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your words. Psalm 119, 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. One nineteen thirty five. 119, 35, lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Psalm 119, I delight in your commandments, which I love. Psalm 119, 70, their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. Psalm 119.77, compa- may your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Psalm 119.92, if your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. Psalm 119, 143, trouble and anguish, anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. Psalm 119.174, I long for your salvation, O Lord. Your law is my delight. I take pleasure in your word, I take pleasure in your word, I take pleasure in your word. Jeremiah the prophet put it this way Jeremiah 15:16 Your words were found and I ate them Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I call I am called by your name O Lord God of hosts Delight is an attitude that leads to an action. Delight myself in the Lord, and it leads to the action of spending time in God's word. I let it in. Listen, have you taken us up on the challenge to listen through the entire word of God, to read it between now and Easter Sunday? You can do that, 77 days left. You can read and listen through the entire word of God to let it in. I let it root, I meditate, and I think about it, and then I let it grow. I meditate and I apply it. Have you ever noticed how much uh, encouraging words mean to you? I keep this folder. Uh, very close by on my desk in a file cabinet. Uh, this is just my encouragement folder because there are times when I get a lot of negativity, but there are times when I want to hear positive words. And this is just filled with notes and things that you've sent me, different people have sent me. And here's just one of them, 20, 20 words is all it is. And just says, Tim, that's one word. The person who signed it, that's the second word. And then the last sentence is, I believe in you. I keep a file because I long to hear positive words, but my friends, we have better than a file. We have the very word of God, where he speaks word of life. I take pleasure in his word. Secondly, I take pleasure, I take, if I delight myself in the Lord, I delight in his word, then I delight in his service. Psalm 40 verse eight, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. I wanna serve him, I wanna I want to do his work. Uh, Ephesians two that we referred to earlier, uh, you're his work, workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which he prepared for you to do. I wanna serve him, I wanna share him, I want other people to know who Jesus is, and I want him to be the delight of their heart so that he can give them the desires of their heart. I delight in his word, I delight in his service. Thirdly, I delight in prayer. Uh-oh, there's a tough one. Listen, Isaiah 58, two. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of God. They ask of me righteous judgments, they delight to draw near, to God we delight to pray we delight to ask Him. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11 oh Lord let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name do we delight to pray I've told you for almost a year now that the most important thing we do together as a church family is pray together every Tuesday night we're gonna start back up this first Tuesday night of of May we have a zoom call you get in an email every week the link we pray together every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Have you shown up once? If you haven't, I would say you don't delight in prayer and we should delight in prayer. I haven't asked you to show up every week, but could you not make time once in nine months to show up and pray with your brothers and sisters of Christ for what God's doing in and through our church? I encourage you, if we delight in God, we delight in his word, we delight in his service, and we delight in prayer. Here's one that's tough. We delight in Sabbath rest. Uh Uh-oh, that one hits close, close to home. Isaiah 58 verses 13 and 14, if you turn back your foot from the sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the sabbath a delight and the holy day of the lord honorable if you honor it not going your own way or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly then you shall take delight in the lord and i will make you ride on the heights of the earth i will feed you with the heritage of jacob your father for the mouth of the lord has spoken do i delight in the the sabbath day has come and gone okay you don't believe in one day totally set apart from god i think you need to understand the scriptures a little better but one day is 24 hours. Does God get 24 hours of your time during a week spread right over the course of seven days? I just wonder, do we delight? We delight in his word. We delight in his service. We delight in prayer and we delight in time set aside to spend time with him because we want to go on the ride of our life. Friends, then it says he will give us the desires of our heart. I think we misunderstand that because we start with the desires. I want my desires, but here's what I think that means. Instead of I get to choose my desires. And when I delight myself in God, God's gonna give me my desires because I've chosen them. I think it means this, when I delight myself in the Lord, he gives me the right desires and puts them in my heart. Maybe I can say it this way. When I delight myself in the infinite God, my finite desires become transformed. And he puts the right desires in there and he will give them to me every time. He's gonna transform them. Remember the context don't fret over evil person that's going to fade away but feed on the faithfulness of god delight yourself in him and watch you're not going to care if they succeed you're not going to care if they won the election you're not going to care if they lost the election because you know god is in charge and you're delighting yourself in him i close with this challenge from first peter chapter five. It's the New Testament way of saying what Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, a soft, pliable heart. Clothe yourself, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse five. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, soft and pliable heart. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you prayer. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary of the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour one bite at a time as you. You fret. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering is being experienced by brothers and sisters throughout the world. And after you have suffered for just a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let it be. Friends, do not fret. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and watch him give you the desires of your heart. Almighty God, may that be the simple prayer of our heart. Forgive us for fretting. Forgive us for not loving you and help us to love you. May we delight in you, the infinite God, and watch you transform the finite desires of our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, as we wrap up here today,
0: I want to leave you with one last thought. As Pastor was talking about being devoted, it reminded me of something that I read recently in a book called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. Check this out. It says, in our impatient culture, we want to experience biblical all without biblical devotion. At the core of our dysfunction is not necessarily style or structure, but lack of devotion. So much of the discussion nowadays revolves around how to make the most of our Sunday morning services. If people are willing to sacrifice 90 minutes a week, should we spend that time singing, preaching, or praying? Should we meet in a large group or a small one? These are all the wrong questions. We should be asking why Christians are willing to only give 90 minutes a week, if that, to the only thing that really matters in their lives. So leaders work tirelessly to squeeze prayer, teaching, fellowship, and communion into a 90-minute service because they believe that's all they have to work with. While we can't force people to be devoted, it may be that we have made it too easy for them not to be. But trying to keep everyone interested and excited, we've created a cheap substitute for devotion. Rather than busying themselves with countless endeavors, the early followers devoted themselves to a few. And check this out. It changed the world. Friends, it's hard to desire Him if you don't know Him. It's hard to be devoted to Him if you don't know His Word. I want you to take these next five minutes. We're going to put a five-minute countdown up. I want you to take these next five minutes and truly think about your relationship with God. If there is something lacking, would you ask him to fill that with himself? If there is something that is not of him, would you ask him to remove that so that you would desire him more, so that you would have a heart that burns for him and an appetite for his word to give you wisdom and to go and love even greater. Friends, I love you. Please take these next five minutes to truly meditate on what God is wanting to speak to you right now. pastor thanks so much uh just for uh, that word today and just taking us back to the verse that god has put on our heart for this decade trust the lord and do good which goes right into this challenge what we've been putting in front of our people trust the lord and do good challenge uh it's one of the ways that we can step out in faith it's one of the ways that we can be obedient is with our finances but let's remember it's not our finances to begin with right God's word shows us that this
1: world and everything in this world are his that's right and we think about today's teaching we we think about uh, delighting ourselves in him and remaining soft and pliable in his hands and I'm soft and pliable in his hands one of the places that uh, he really wants to soften up in our lives oftentimes finances and mm-hmm. but when we're soft and pliable we realize that like you say they're Everything's His, and it's our delight and pleasure just to give back to Him what's yes. rightfully His anyway. Yeah,
0: and so we are excited, with just three weeks less of this challenge, to, to announce to you that we are 80% of the way through this challenge, $40,000 has been given to the Trust yeah. of the Lord and Do Good Challenge. Pastor, would you remind
1: us of the breakdown of this challenge? absolutely we are excited to remind you that with every dollar that comes in here's how it's going to be spent here's how it's going to be used 50% is going to go local we believe that God has called us to love and share Jesus with this valley to make Jesus known starting uh, in our homes and our neighborhoods across this valley so 50% is going to be used to help us make Jesus known here locally. 30% is going to be used to help us make Jesus known globally as we partner with organizations like Feed One and uh, Tip International as we do everything we can to fulfill the commission that Christ gave to his church to take uh, the gospel to all the nations. So 30% is going to go globally and then the last 20% that we're so excited about is We don't know. Hmm. We just believe that God is going to move in a way that we just can't see yet. And so we're reserving 20% to be used to make Jesus known in ways that we believe he's going to reveal to us in the days ahead sometime during 2021. So 50% local, 30% global and 20% yet to be determined, but it will be used to make Jesus known. Yeah, I'm so excited for that.
0: Would you pray with us? Heavenly Father, God, it is a privilege and honor to just come before you today, God, uh, as you have showed us uh, to trust in you and to do good. Father, I pray for the one right now uh, who has never said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that right now, uh, as uh, they have heard your word to trust in you, God, that they would take a step of obedience and just step out in faith and say, today, I am going to place my trust in you. Father, I pray for the one right now who is wrestling with this challenge. Father, I am so thankful uh, for those who uh, have have had the hearts uh, that are pliable and just have the joy uh, to give you back what is yours, Father. Uh, We are just excited uh, in the ways that you are uh, calling us to step out in faith, uh, calling us to take a step of obedience and place our trust in you as we make Jesus known, uh, not only in this valley, but all over the world, God. We are so thankful and we are encouraged and excited uh, to see what you are gonna do. Father, we love you in Jesus' name.